0: Welcome to the Heart of Soul Podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul Podcast. This episode is part three of our series on sex and spirituality. In it, we cover codependence and recast the tragic lives of the glorified preteens Romeo and Juliet. We also address the three primary kinds of connection in intimate relationality. Considerations for masturbation health, what might be in the way of you attracting a soulmate, how to know if you've used sexuality as a medication, and the ethics of claiming your unborn fetus as a carpool passenger, and of course, a lot more. I remind you, as always, to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome forward, and welcome to you, Stace Barron, who is here with us again to do episode 20. We're in uh, Out of the Teens. Wow.
1: I always had a sense we might do 21 of these, or 33.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You saw a finite time? I thought we'd do like hundreds.
1: Oh, even better. I I guess I was thinking minimums. Uh, Oh, minimums. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah I saw it like we'd be finished when you know uh, when when there was nothing left to say which of course would be never <laughs> therefore it would go on forever that's how I was holding it
1: yeah and so it's uh, there's so many topics like like and w- w- in, in we feel therefore we are uh, to uh, uh, coming up out next year um, there are ev- every in nine nine domains of human activity money and work philosophy oh all, yeah all, all there's so much to talk about yeah i so, want to
0: do all that god sex money love death power politics yeah we've only scratched uh, the surface
1: i'd love to talk more politics too uh, yeah. and spiritualize them also so in alignment
0: with our part three here of um, yes
1: sex and spirituality uh one thing in the news which oh my all i can say is oh my god literally uh a woman was uh traveling in the um the hov lanes you know which requires oh
0: yeah i'm so glad you're bringing this up i heard about it go on
1: and uh that's carpool
0: lanes as we i know we have people yes, listening in europe so traveling uh, in the carpool lane
1: which requires two people yeah. you know and some people in america have been caught putting uh mannequins and yes seat it's like a th- right? there's
0: a specific fine. yes of exactly. like 300 bucks for traveling with a mannequin yeah
1: in in, in southern Cal- in california um it's over 400 at any rate <laughs> She got she got tagged and uh, she um, got a ticket, even though she claimed, uh, believe it or not, uh, that the second passenger was her her baby in her belly. Uh, And so she's suing um, to have that fine eradicated. Uh, And this this is one of the things that are starting to shake out about the death of Roe versus Wade. uh, and uh, and now in, in one state, I forget the state now, it's a red state by coincidence, yeah. uh, that uh, uh, it, it, the state is considering, if they haven't already, that you can now claim a pregnant child as a dependent.
0: I was just going to bring that up. That's so crazy. Because I was thinking, oh, well, if the baby is in your belly, like, yeah, yeah I, yep. I was just going to say, then, yeah. well, then you can start claiming those benefits before the kid is born. And, and somebody actually is
1: doing that. Yes. <laughs> I, I I can't. It's a red state. That's all I know. Yeah. So yeah, there's never anything not to talk about uh, <laughs> uh, in this world because every aspect of the human condition has an interesting um, uh, re- uh, re- identity. Has an interesting relationship to every aspect of the human domain no matter how big or how small yeah
0: and i think uh, people may wonder you know I, i'm always sensitive to the uh the, the laughter and i don't want it to be interpreted as self-important derision um and i'm still i certainly have self-importance in me and i, I if there's not a week that goes <laughs> by where i don't uh painfully look in the mirror about it but um I mean, for me, I laugh with the the baby. I, I, in one way, I like that uh, the the carpool lane thing. I like that she's suing. In, in one way, but critical thinking would just say, okay, so it's a life that doesn't make it a passenger. It's a passenger in you, not in the car. <laughs> They're taking well, up the same space in the car.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, when then then her lawyer could argue. Well, she's, the child is a passenger in the mother and, the, and a passenger <laughs> in the car at the same time.
0: I, I just so. want the arguments televised. Please, <laughs> please write the whole argument out. Oh. Because, because, yeah, I mean, of course, what you said is exactly right. But the, where it leads to is that we're just trying to manipulate reality with our minds, and it just creates more and more nonsense. That's well, what's funny we- about it. It's just watching the mind fail at trying to navigate this kind of stuff.
1: Well, and that's no accident. Postmodern mm. philosophy has conditioned uh, many viewpoints on what mentality is by saying, and, and uh, NLP says it outright, that words create reality. That's and neuro-linguistic
0: this was, programming for those of you not familiar with NLP.
1: That's yeah. right. Uh, instead of reality uh, creating words, it's backwards, and that's why it's so harmful.
0: I'm writing down, I think we should do an entire episode on uh, NLP because it's this invisible engine behind Tony Robbins, behind cognitive behavioral therapy, behind um, uh, landmark education. It's behind so much behind Scientology.
1: Behind um, the secret. Behind the secret. secret.
0: Yeah, there's so much Uh, of it. It's the core teaching behind so much modern self-empowerment stuff.
1: And, and in that sense, you could call the uh, uh, president before Biden um, a, uh, a, a complete and uh, perfect example of a, um, a, a philosopher king who has adopted um, words create reality as his prima facie default state of consciousness. Reality doesn't matter only what the words um, are that describe the reality. And when you, so the reality that Biden won is is not relevant. If he can convince <laughs> millions of people that the election was rigged, even though after two years, there's no proof and he doesn't need to offer proof. He only needs to offer his prima facie belief system, yeah. all based in words, not reality. And that's so,
0: based in subjectivism, which we talked about many episodes ago
1: well when you look at how jean paul sartre uh uh, completely uh uh, affected western philosophy with his with his picture atheistic picture uh that that existence precedes essence this is his fundamental axiom
0: tell me what does that mean i don't i didn't i don't know sartre very well
1: um what it means is that um uh Anything the human define humans define as essence is downstream of existence.
0: For example? Obviously.
1: Uh, everything, if there's no God. If there's no God, and this is the, the hidden thing in Sartre, uh, once you get that he's he's extolling an atheistic-based philosophy, I can agree that existence base, uh, precedes anything a human might call essence. Um, but existence itself is the is the default reality of realities, and that's not wrong if there's no divinity
0: uh, as author of existence. But, but existence defined as what? Something you can hold in your hand and perceive with no, the no. five senses?
1: No, existence <laughs> is the capacity. Another way to say if I and I think I'm on good standing with this that existence uh, allows essence to arise within it, what we call essence, what we call essence. Oh, that's weird. We, can you see? That's why he, he set in motion about words creating reality too. The essence of, uh, of anything pr- is downstream of existence. Existence allows us to do To do anything, what we call essential, and in this case, it relates sort of indirectly.
0: So, like contrast that with like the earliest essence philosophy I can think of is Plato, where there's the theory of forms, where you know you have a pen in your hand, but somewhere else in this other realm, there is like the absolute essence of Mm penness that is the upstream essence that lends its being somehow to all other pens in the world. Sartre would say what about that?
1: um he would say uh, uh the only thing preceding penness is existence itself no lensing no in- nothing no other world behind the world
0: well wow, that feels really empty in my third chakra when i f- receive that
1: well uh he he committed suicide.
0: <laughs> existential nausea. Yeah, there's this course. empty, depressed of, feeling in there, isn't there? Of course. So he embodied by his suicide, uh,
1: tragic as it was. He embodied his own teaching perfectly, mm. and that's what made it so compelling for a lot of Western philosophers. Oh, he gave his life to his um, his teaching. You see, and there, oh, that's right twisted. there. That's, I, I, you took the word right out of my mouth, twisted. But let's, let's not lose our track here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well,
0: let me add one more thing to that before we get back to, because I think I have a feeling this will maybe be useful context. But w- what do you think about the idea that there's no meaningfulness in the human experience in content, that meaningfulness is something that is inherent in existence itself, and it's not an aspect of any content no particularly ex- particular experience because that's the pure zen idea right that sure. meaningfulness is only in the level of being not doing or having anything
1: sure um that could only be extolled held or over attached to by someone who doesn't feel god every moment of every moment there's no such thing as meaninglessness uh-huh. anywhere in any direction, everything is meaningful, and only people who are, are who only believe in God or don't believe there could ever be a God uh, don't experience God every moment. And if when you finally swim directly twenty-four-seven in the, in in the God field as real as anything you could hold in your hand, like a pen, um, there's no such thing as meaninglessness. Meaninglessness is made up by people who can't. Feel the Godfield.
0: Okay. So one more pass, I promise we'll get back to the subject at hand. This is a little bit personal self-interest here, but identity rewards that, right?
1: Uh, absolutely <laughs> right. Have so, at it, Mr. Justin. So what
0: you're saying is that if uh if I were to be experiencing the Godfield at all times, I would mm-hmm. never experience meaningless meaninglessness, and mm-hmm. I would experience any content this pen a conversation with the checkout clerk at the grocery store would be inherently meaningful because I'd be experiencing the essence of meaningfulness in that content. Yes. So it's not that the content is necessarily meaningful, except that vis-a-vis that pure essence is coming through that. It can't be meaningless. Correct. All right. Yeah,
1: correct. A- a- absolutely right. Um, In other words, uh, uh, everything is meaningful just by virtue of its own existence as a play out unfoldment in pen domains of divinity. Uh Uh Right?
0: Uh Okay. Thank you for that.
1: Sure. And and, and one thing that is, um, I know, an issue uh, um, has been an issue for me my whole life, and maybe for a lot of people is uh, people who um, have trouble with humanity. Uh, This goes right to this very, very uh, same domain. Mm -hmm. Um, They they have issues with the shallowness of the consciousness of the majority of people's value systems. Blah blah blah. They, um, I'll use myself as an example. Um, uh, I never, I could never, as a as a young man, a kid, uh, I never knew how to. I never learned small talk. Uh, Mm -hmm. Small talk made me claustrophobic and um, nauseous. And because I couldn't, people projected on me that I was elitist or superior or something. When literally it was a disability, a disability that um, coming from the fact that I walk in the world of God and the world of human at the same time. And uh, because I I do, since I was born, I only realized. It took me till I was thirteen years old or so to realize that was happening um, from birth. But uh, uh, in that sense. Um, my my protections my wounds and shadow uh was so easily judged the shallow end of the pool you know um uh, relative to the depth that's possible when you walk in the world of god and the world of human at the same time which i've done my whole life I was born with it i can't take any credit for it uh but what i what i learned in my maturing with identity's dharma is that shallow or deep it's all god water and if I can't experience uh, uh, the president before Biden's worldview as also as Godwater, then I've got issues. I've still got to heal.
0: Why are you not saying the name Trump?
1: Well, I, 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 it's, I think it's just a temporary neurosis because I read something <laughs> this morning that um, a woman was speeding, weaving, and speeding on the highway in Texas. I think it was. Uh-huh. Um, and I could be wrong about that. It was a red state, uh-huh. and uh, and um, the police stopped her. She was speeding and weaving, I think. And uh, she says, "License and registration, please." And she couldn't put her hands on her um, on her driver's license. She fumbled around in her purse, and the more she got, she got scared. And instead, she pulled out something out of her purse called the white privilege card.
0: <laughs> what?
1: It had her name and address and phone number or whatever on it there's such a thing as a white privilege card and the logo or the catchphrase on it is white privilege trumps everything
0: (laughs) oh my god this is this this is real
1: this is real it's all God water but it's real wow Uh, and, and so Having read that this morning, I'm I'm, I'm neglectful. I'm, I, I don't want to say the name because that so abashed me in that way. I, I'm using that in my own way of abashed.
0: Temporary but, neurosis. Yeah, exactly. Well, I must so. admit, I, I you know I was a big bridge player back in the day, and uh, um, and I like the word Trump. I used to like the word Trump to mean what it means. And now I don't, I, I do feel this like resistance to use the word, like, uh, well, what, what was the thing that uh, Sartre said? That existence trumps essence? I mean, that's basically uh, yes. the idea. Yeah, right? basically. It, yes. right. but, <laughs> but I don't want to use the word Trump because I feel like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a bad taste in my mouth, I guess.
1: Well, then we, we got to go one more round here now <laughs> on this saying? track. We have to be careful ourselves here, Joseph, that mm. um, identity does not hold that words. Uh, uh necessarily create reality of yeah. course they can affect reality mm-hmm. they don't create reality yeah. so us repeating trump 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 isn't supporting trump right so so not saying it doesn't not support him either right. it's just a matter of taste it's yeah it's like <laughs> it's if taste. i
0: slow down my experience it's like and i say well you know we have to make uh you know this priority trump this other one when i say that I yeah. feel him and I see him in my mind, and I'd prefer yeah. not to have that experience. But not, then I'd have to look at, well, what is my trigger? He's just yeah. an aspect of God. Why do I not want to use that word in His name? And have to look at that. Well,
1: he, he's uh, he's playing a critical role. Bless His black heart. His he's up there as the emperor who doesn't know he's naked, mm. being the tried and true perfect perfect um totem up there so we all say no to it not just to his black heart and greed but to the fact that he is a devotee of um, words create reality
0: of devotee of will and power
1: right? absolutely everything is will to power for him not the good of the united states only the will the good for donald trump yeah. the man is um gonna have a big surprise and i and i i i can't say i would we i weep for him what he has a surprise coming when he dies but boy he's gonna have a hard hard time
0: and that's a, a really powerful like general spirituality like that some of the basic premises of spirituality reframe there just like that there's no such thing as enemies or essentially bad people there's and if something really gnarly comes up like trump well then the purpose sometimes is so that it can be uh, negated, but, but, um, the, the obstacle is the way, as is sometimes said, you know, you don't get stronger unless you have to push against something sometimes.
1: Exactly. So unless you to use a way overused phraseology, you know, unless you accept him, uh, in the black water that he is as still being God water, then nothing you, there's no anti any anti-human in in any direction or any dimension because every aspect of humanity is divine being expressing through wounds, Mm -hmm. through wounds. The wounds are not in nature. The wounds are not in animals. The wounds are in our species. And that is the prism, the wound based prism that creates darkness, evil and greed and all the stuff that supposedly we want to fix about our race. Mm -hmm. It's just wounds, just Mm -hmm. wounds prismatically refract uh, divinity's love into all these other downline forms. So, how about sex? Yes uh, how about sex? How does how Best does segue wound, ever. How, how do unconscious conscious and unconscious wounds uh, refract uh, God's love into the myriad the, the morass of sexual of confusion around sexuality and spirituality? And how they've never been joined in the middle anywhere with any sort of metaphysical um, sobriety. Right? Mm. So I forget where we left off last time. but well, I was uh,
0: actually just going to look at that. I know we were going to get to, uh, L- we had on the agenda today, LGBTQ and yin and yang dynamics at the very least. We, we were talking about soulmates at the very end last time
1: oh that's right yeah so let's let's finish up on soulmate uh soulmates um, we talked quite a bit about it uh how their trade wrecks made in heaven uh and they are the most clear mirrors for uh each other for what we are stuck in and maybe even years of therapy hasn't and touched
0: you didn't speak about the uh, they used to talk about uh the three kinds of soulmates i don't know if it's still three kinds and the uh you didn't oh yeah <laughs> We, we can talk about that, and I know that's always interesting for people.
1: Well, um, I think we talked about soul families, didn't we? Uh, right,
0: but we didn't talk about the three kinds of soulmates. There's the twin, the uh, have, have had a fair amount of lives together, one, and then the have not had many lives together but had parallel tracks and then right. cross. I believe those were the three. That's from like 15 yeah. years ago.
1: There you go. Uh, that's still applicable. <laughs> okay. uh, soulmates are, are not just uh, the one. In other words, um, mm-hmm. they they can if you've if you and another soul have have responded to earth life challenges in similar resonative, resonative ways, but never been in in, uh, in relationship with each other incarnatively at the same time you meeting them in a present life uh, will feel like the deepest soulmate you've ever had that's the that's the one one version the next is you've traveled a lot of lifetimes with with a certain soul uh, with t- two dozen maybe sometimes three dozen and any one of them on a, a spectrum will feel like a soulmate depending on how how not how you haven't been intimate with one of those two dozen or three dozen for a bunch of lifetimes you'll go wow and then from the last of course is the twin soul which is a it's a, an identities picture it's an overused and much rarer situation than a lot of twin flames and all that in new age um, uh, sometimes we wouldn't have twins uh, uh, as fractals uh, possible in earth if there wasn't such a thing as twin souls nice.
0: and, I never thought uh, about that
1: yeah as below I, so above as below, so above. Whenever you get stuck in um, how does God work in this particular domain at this moment, uh, just think of as below, so above. That we have evil in this world, dark, dark, dark stuff, means the capacity for evil lives in divine being. Doesn't mean evil does, because the capacity for it, as we've said in an earlier podcast, is um, is a. Uh, 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 the unknown into which divine being unfolds in any moment. It's unknown. And we in our wounds are terrified of the unknown. So again, only our wounds create the unknown, the benign unknown into which God is unfolding any moment is the capacity for to get refracted down into us creating darkness and evil. Uh, no Satan, no pitchforks in the butt, um, no eternal hell. <laughs> pitchforks uh, in the butt. None of those, none of those things.
0: But uh, so about uh, about twin twin flames, you you said just a little bit about it. Of course, everybody wants to meet their twin flame, and I want to say a little bit about that. Uh, have at it, because have it's at it. it's my truth that I have, and um, <clears throat> my message to the world about that is hold on to your hats um, most people I think in a lot of cases and this is in the general spiritual mythology is that a lot of twin flame relationships um, uh, crash and burn very quickly because the, the people just can't handle it and um, I, I uh, the, the woman I'm with now I think is my twin soul twin flame and um, and if I had met her even six months earlier I think it would have crashed and burned And it almost crashed and burned a number of times. And we're still in dangerous places sometimes for the uh, longevity of the relationship. And it is both the absolute best relationship I've ever experienced in in some moments and the absolute worst in others. Um, I think I was saying to her recently, all relationships bring out, um, or maybe we said this in the last podcast, but all relationships bring out the best and the, Uh, worst of people, intimate relationships really bring out the best soulmates bring out the best. But my truth is that twin flames bring out the absolute worst and best. Uh, And there is no hiding. And it takes a fair amount of effort to remember that I chose this (laughs) because sometimes it's like, ah, there's no place to hide. And one more thing (laughs) I'll say that (coughs) the, the best way to describe the experience for me is that, Um, and it's hard to get across. We both feel, we both experience that we're alone while being with the other person. It's really weird. I've never experienced it with any other person that it's like about at least half, even three quarters of the time. It feels like when I'm with her, I'm alone, only it's better. So it's not like I'm with an other. It's like, I'm with more of me or a better version of me or an increased volume of me because we're somehow two are we're like two appendages on the same two fingers on the same hand so much so that she doesn't seem like an other and it's a really weird like incredibly familiar almost eerily so. And very comfortable experience but the shadow side of the downside of that is when there's any rift in the in in that doesn't feel so close there's any disagreement um, then it's uh, like falling out of the grace of God because the difference goes from so seamless and good to not that and it seems like a, a catastrophe
1: and that can happen in a microsecond.
0: Yes, and does, and it's disorienting, that? and you got to be like, okay, hold on, no, it's not gone, yeah, relax. Yeah. But it triggers right. up, you right. know, the sole fear of falling out of the arms of God. I would think. Come to think of it. Oh, wow, I'm.
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that you just spent three or four minutes there. That is archetypal uh, description. There, Joseph, uh, I'm. I'm so touched by what you say. Oh, nice. Um, I'm with mine also, uh, and um, uh, we had the, um, Brie and I had the great um, uh, uh, fortune to passively um, uh, uh, have a space where Joseph and his beloved could meet, Um, and this is what identity does so often. People who follow uh, or investigate identity, they bring mates to them. Mm -hmm. the paradigm brings it to them because we we plumb depths that are not easily done by other paradigms of change and growth and that that opens up the heart song of the soul and the heart song goes out into the ethers and calls your mate to you Mm -hmm. so a lot of the people who excoriate the uh myself or the paradigm from the past a good share of them, for forty percent, thirty percent, drew their drew their their present uh, partners through the paradigm. Mm-hmm. So, um, everything you just said, I can cosign, and so would Bree. Uh, uh, everything and one feature about that kind of soulmateism is that counterintuitively, some people, some soulmates, that twin flames want to jump in bed right away. Uh, that's fine. Um, we didn't have that experience uh uh we really it was very strange to us. we kissed a while and uh, didn't weren't intimate yet. Uh, we kissed for a while, slept in the same bed for a while before we ever got intimate um, and sexually um, but we both we both felt something that I named and then Bree said, oh my God, I feel so much better that I feel the same. It's weird, isn't it? We felt we weren't in love.
0: Hmm. Oh We, uh-huh.
1: we <laughs> yeah. felt we felt. Um, what's going on here? We we both felt this this requires inhabitation to find out what this is, and we wanted to have sex with each other, but it didn't have that punch. It didn't have that edgy hotness. Yeah, and we and I we figured out why, because when you draw a true twin flame, sometimes like in our case it lacks the codependent grab. You earn your twin flame, in other words. And only by clearing out some measure, of minimum of codependence, which we would need to talk about today relative okay. to sex and spirituality, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there is that, that honeymoon phase where um, everything is sex excess, hot, 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 uh, love, love, love. But don't forget, of,
0: yeah, the person is perfect. They're the no, answer to everything. Exactly.
1: Yeah, we were, right. Oh my yeah, God, you can't yeah. breathe air without them next to you, right? Uh, so that was lacking. And when I realized, when we realized what that was, we just, it, we were so relieved. And then from there, after that got incubated and expressed, boy, did things start coming. Uh, but we had to go through a phase of wondering what this was. Uh, and so if that ever happens to you, don't, necessarily assume that you're not with a twin flame is what the point I wanted or to with make. a soulmate
0: or yeah because um, uh, you know what you're speaking to uh, I have experienced as well that the because um, w- we're conditioned so deeply that uh, you should be head over heels and you know right. th- th- you see their face and everything it's this total consumption um, mm-hmm. with the love interest and that's seen as healthy And we would say, uh, well, it could be that they're the person for you, but if you're, you know, if you can't think about anything else besides them um, for a really long period of time, like months, uh, then there's a layer of codependence where the um, the defense system thinks it hit the lottery. And now can use that person to, uh, shore up any, uh, wounds and issues inside them. In other words, that they're the answer to all of your problems, but exactly. no, your problems will remain your problems. And in about a year and a half, you're going to be blaming that mate for all of the problems that they didn't <laughs> solve of yours.
1: <laughs> That's right. And then, uh, lovely. Well, so well said, Joseph, uh, Uh, And and that bears um, one of Identity's uh, counterintuitive offerings that Romeo and Juliet...
0: Oh, God, uh, who were 12 and 13.
1: Yeah, uh, basically. um, His play inferred, and to this day is held as most interpreters of the play, uh, uh, that this is the consummate uh, soulmate love, uh, healthy kind of love, It is it reeks of the worst kind of codependence that uh, that um, um, it works out, even though one wasn't really suicide. It was, um, you know, uh, the the however they died and didn't consummate was because they thought they couldn't live without the other. That's the theme here. Yeah,
0: that's it. That's it. Yeah, you're supposed to. A healthy relationship is where you couldn't live without the other person. That's what we're taught. And nice. I read Romeo and Juliet when I was 13 or 14, so, mm-hmm. ouch. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> ouch is the right word. So uh, let's characterize now what happens, what's the architecture of any one of those soulmate uh, uh, variations. Uh, they're comprised of four kinds of talk, and it's a good way to put it. Oh, okay. It. Anyway,
0: go here. There
1: is um, um, uh, um, heart talk, which is uh, the um, exchange of resonant felt value systems uh, that result in caring for and wanting to uh, share love with this person, call that heart talk. There's of course body talk. Um, If there's not body talk, uh, you you may have one of your soulmate families be a father or a mother or an aunt or a child, uh, which when they're a child, oh, oh boy, that's a real problem for the child. That's another whole story. Um, but uh, um, uh, uh, you have heart talk, you have body talk in the sexual domain. You have soul talk, which is um, a, a resonation of value systems that are contextual, whereas heart talk are, are resonance in domains that are contentual. Um, uh, you have the soul talk of there's, there's resonance about the God thing, about the way to get to the God thing, uh, the whole thing that way. And last but not least, the fourth one is the, is the most shallow, and that's mind talk. Uh, mind talk also is part of a soulmate in that there are resonating intellectual and critical thinking um, uh, uh, um, bandwidths to both of you that, that resonate. And when they don't resonate, are resolvable that teach both sides. Uh, uh, of, a, of a struggle of the truth of their truth, so heart talk, body talk, soul talk, and mind talk um, are are there are all a function of resonating soul fields who want to get their cake and eat it too. You want to mm. eat your beloved alive and still have them. Uh, that cake and eat it too is so beautiful. But when you have when the only real measure to know whether that's rabid codependence or just soulful mergement is uh, imagine yourself without them. And if you want to kill yourself, it's codependent. Uh, so that's that's the final arbiter there. But of course, so
0: codependence those, can be far more subtle than that. But that would definitely yes, indicate it. it
1: there's there's no negotiation about that one. Yeah. You're right. Other uh, uh, what ifs uh, are We
0: should assist- probably talk about the different kinds of codependence <clears throat> at some point as well. Uh, we we
1: mentioned it last time if I'm not mistaken. you didn't um, do
0: locked in and locked out though. We didn't talk about it. I, I that. think
1: I think I mentioned it.
0: Yeah. Uh, actually maybe you did.
1: Um but yeah, let, let's um let's go from there to masturbation for a moment while it's still in, while it's in my head. <laughs> okay. okay?
0: Another great segue.
1: Uh, um, <laughs> divine being m- made our hands able to reach our crotches. <laughs> I uh, was just
0: gonna, I remember you saying this like 10 years ago, but interestingly, <laughs>
1: uh, it's like, well, you completed it. It, it. Oh, but interestingly, interestingly
0: not our mouths. Yes. that's what you said once one of the greatest philosophical uh, things to ponder ever
1: well it d- depends on what kind of equipment a, a man may have on himself uh, that it's possible for some men but I it guess. could
0: have been with just a slight adjustment we could reach yes. it with our mouths but for most yeah. people they can't do it yeah
1: that's right if, if you're if you're loose-limbed uh, and you're a yoga master maybe you
0: can yeah. and the reason for that is so that we would leave the house
1: Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. That was
0: the segue, the last thing
1: that came out of that from 10 years ago, is if if it hadn't done that, we would never leave the house. Uh, So um, at any rate, uh, um, because of that, masturbation of and to itself is certainly not sinful, uh, much less um, uh, 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 anti-God, in other words. Uh, Identity simply weighs in and says have at it Um, five times a day you probably need help with a therapist, not a sex therapist, a regular therapist. Um, five times a week, um, blah, for men you're skating on a, on a scary edge there. You're probably, it's probably a drug. Um,
0: depending on your age, I imagine. Depending
1: yeah. on your age again, of course, right? Um, uh, but uh, the, the way that identity weighs in about masturbation is, well will have at it within a certain uh, um, uh, uh, pr- uh, parameters, of amount of time you spend doing it, but would like to just offer that vis- visionlessness, visionless masturbation is far more resonant with a healthy body, a heart, and soul, and mind than vision-filled. Uh, um, As without
0: vag- fantasy, without uh, imagic fantasy. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: if you're vi- if you have specific image imagery. Um, and you haven't shared that with your therapist uh, during masturbation, please share it. You might give them a chance to help if they can see through what we're trying to say here, the therapist, is that you could get hooked to only being orgasmic when those elements in your vision um, uh, are, are there. Uh, you can train your, or, your orgasmic reflex to match those visions if it's persistent, yeah. and then you can't have an orgasm in real life
0: that way. Well, and it's uh, it's far aided, far more um, aided and abetted with um, internet pornography now. I mean, when I think about uh, if I grew up with that, uh, talk about not leaving the house, that would not have gone well for me if I had access to the internet when I was, you know, 12, 13, 15, whatever. It Uh, makes me deeply concerned about the younger generations and how they're going to turn out.
1: Yeah, especially with their um, uh, virtualization of all social interactions right. th- through devices, it triples the I- impact. I-, I know what you mean though. Uh, I was just turning 18 when, um, X rated films were coming to, uh, the theaters. Uh, and then later, a bunch of years later, they had them on, uh, on, uh, DHS, the, uh, uh, DHS, right.
0: VHS. Uh, that was a revolution in the industry. Uh, like in the movie absolutely. Boogie Nights, they show that it ended right. one industry right. and started another one
1: yeah cassettes uh, you could rent then after that and i had i i got hooked for a while on it because it, it was the one thing in my strange soul field inheritances and attributes that i was born with was the one thing that i shared indivisibly with every other human being on earth sexual impulse mm. so i got i got hooked not just for the content which was pretty grainy in those days so to speak right yeah, yeah. I, I got hooked in the context it allowed me to connect to the the human race and to myself in a certain way and that was the danger for me um,
0: it, was an, it was an aloneness medication then
1: exactly right it allowed me to deal with aloneness and not question why i haven't drawn someone if i wanted to see so oh, well, hold a, on a second
0: we got to explode that one because that's um uh, why the topic of why you haven't drawn your soulmate? Oh yes, is right there. Sure, because you just said something that was gold for people. If you haven't yet drawn your soulmate, then uh-huh. you might want to look at how you're not letting yourself feel what you feel about that, including the aloneness.
1: Correct. Well, not everyone dials in a soulmate uh, sure. every lifetime, all yeah. right. And so that we have to say that first. Uh, um, again, <laughs> bear in mind uh, what Joseph was saying there about uh, believing what the fantasy of a soulmate before you want one. But if you want to be uh, turned inside out, upside down, uh, and and two uh, both your arms ripped apart like two horses running in the opposite direction, uh, pray for a soulmate. But if you if you want one, if you really do want one, exactly as you just said, Joseph, um, you've got to look at the unconscious. Uh, 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 reasons why you may not be drawing it. And that is, as you just said, uh, this, is a, this is an invitation into the unconscious that identity has a unique portal to, different than other, all other therapies um, uh, out there in both psychology and spirituality, like Waking Down or Diamond Heart, those type of things. Um, we get to the unconscious. If we decoded how to get to the unconscious through emotivity. Uh, not through hypnosis, not through having someone uh, poke you uh, uh, comically and uh, release an unconscious uh, stream of energy and then say you're cured and then call yourself a, a, a really good uh, a Buddhist psychologist. Um, so um, your unconscious is the reason you're not manifesting, not your lack of commitment to your mantra, uh, uh, uh or your tony robbins um orientation or anything else it's not about manifesting now yeah, it was right it was about manifesting before but all those folks and those all those examples nlp uh, aversion to uh, uh, philosophies and spiritualities uh they're all uh, obsolete the day the the day of manifesting by will uh ended in 2012 we now have to
0: yield to draw. And it was tapering to, before 2012. It was
1: tapering, originally. sure, of course, sure. It was tapering already. But and it's um, also,
0: it's doing the opposite now, it's, it's uh, accelerating yes, uh, since correct. 2012. Yes, correct. So the bar correct. keeps getting raised.
1: Right, meaning will to manifest is getting undermined percentage every single day. So you may as well give up on it and try to figure out what yield, surrender to draw
0: means. Yeah, before uh, it forces you to before it forces yeah. you want to be that's, ahead and, of those kinds of curves
1: uh, yeah it, it can get really ugly uh, when those kinds of those kinds of things crash on you so, so
0: another example of how people might be um, keeping their soulmate away is by staying with someone who's not their soulmate that's a really uh, yes. common one a dead marriage a sexless marriage uh, a, absolutely right. uh, a marriage that's where people become more like friends than lovers
1: that's right and they and then they're told that well that's the natural way of things hell I, i'll be 71 this year and um i still got it going on in second chakra and i can get <laughs> that on a podcast even uh, and, and so um that that's flame is still i would say it's about 80 percent of what it was when i was 18 which is a hell of wow a that's bit. a lot yeah yeah it is so um uh, I wrote a, I was a musician for a long time, singer-songwriter, and um, I wrote a song once uh, to a woman out there who married a really nice guy. Uh, and uh, he was the perfect, uh, the father approved, the mother approved. This is in the song. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but because she did, she's starting to get hungry for something this really nice man who's just no trouble at all, why she is not? Why her passion is being lost to stay in the marriage? And the song is an ode to such a woman to not stay in a stale relationship, right? So, if you another way to say that in our terms is that we um, we settle for crumbs. Uh, how much of what fulfills you in your present intimate bond? How much of it is crumbs that you've slowly got acclimated to, like a frog? Uh, gets acclimated in boiling water uh, before it gets uh, uh, toasted alive by the boiling water. Uh, this, these are tragic things that bear uh, a lot of respect uh, um, and how difficult this can be. Because when you find a, a woman, say if a woman finds a really good provider in the old patriarchal way, and uh, um, she doesn't have to worry about things that way. And he treats her well; doesn't beat her, doesn't isn't doesn't go out on her with other women. Is a good provider, loves his kids with her. Um, uh, it's really hard to stand for a woman to stand harder for a woman than a man in yeah. some ways uh, to stand for uh, how it's just not it's just not happening anymore, and uh, to stay stuck in that will keep away an intended soulmate that you might have set up yeah. before you yeah. were born to come to you as you will only draw when you're no longer settling for crumbs.
0: Yeah. The, that's the, I think of that as the giving up good in search of great dynamic. Uh-huh. Sure. And it's mm-hmm. extremely difficult. Um, yeah. and, and it feels like, I think the term used to use is emotional suicide. Because what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, you're literally because you get a bunch of needs met, healthy or unhealthy, you're getting a bunch of needs met from that person. And you're putting down that cup and being empty handed for God knows how long uh, mm-hmm. in in uh, with a hope or a wish or a sense that you could be able to pick up a gallon. And, yeah. um, you know, the average person would just look at that and be like, well, that's just stupid. You know, a yeah. bird in the hand is worth two in the bush.
1: Yes, so exactly.
0: Why on earth would you do that? Um, right. and what would be your answer to that question? Why on earth would you do that?
1: Why on earth I, I, why, I would stay with someone that... Uh,
0: no, why, why should someone give up good in search of great? If it's good enough, what, what would be your answer to that?
1: Well, it may be good enough for your particular soul age, soul mm. arc, uh, phase of uh, growth development, number of incarnations, it might be just fine to do that. We all have to settle uh, for crumbs to learn that they're crumbs. Yeah, uh, It's just inevitable. So some lifetimes, if, to, if you have five lifetimes in a row honing this issue of, of slowly getting yourself out of um, uh, equating crumbs for uh, the meal, the next lifetime, maybe you're ready to, to climb out of it. This is, ex- as you said, extremely difficult because in, a, in an uncertain world um, where uh, you never know how you're going to meet this person and you can get really despairing. Um, I always knew I would meet uh, Bree. Uh, I didn't, she didn't look like I thought she was going to look, but that was fine. I always knew she'd come to one of my seminars um, and I would, I would see her uh, in the audience. So I had that preset for myself. But um, still, the point here of moving beyond, the only reason you settle for crumbs is self-unworth. Mm. Uh, some wounds of self-abnegation that tells you way deep down you're not worth it. And uh, uh, some therapies can get down pretty deep. Identity can find that one pretty easily. Uh, so, yeah.
0: I want to add, add to this um that it uh, for i i think identity would say more so for men than women but for everybody it applies that there, there's a there's a price of loneliness that must be paid and yep. um i was single for about seven years uh and i moved to maui where i knew no one not never thinking like oh is that going to be lonely going to a place where you don't know anybody and the honeymoon after about two or three weeks wore off and i realized i was completely alone and tried to meet people and certainly tried to meet women and life was so generous with me by giving me failed dating attempt after failed failed dating attempt after failed dating attempt. it was like i mean i wish i could make a movie montage of like every time was just the lesson was this one's not what you think. I was projecting who I wanted them to be and then falling in love with that. And it happened so many times. I was just left with this giant pit of loneliness that I was digesting one layer at a time every time. But, and, sure. um, sure. and there was, there was probably 50 more layers than I thought. And mm-hmm. it was always like, okay, you know, there would be a layer of loneliness and, the despair and the pain and then i would find a new center of myself feel god on a deeper level and be like okay i think i got it and then another layer another layer another layer and um uh, i didn't know i didn't know i was done until life um, brought me the lady i'm with now and um
1: exactly right if you draw a real soulmate you just graduated from grammar school yeah Uh, right uh, and then, then with that minimally
0: qualified as we say minimally
1: it. qualified then you got to go through the the high school years of um of going crazy and then when that phase is over you get a little honeymoon at the end of that and then you go to university uh, and then after that uh, you go to graduate school so you got to be mer- um, committed in a relationship we'll get to that next year uh, for mm-hmm. a lot of years to really get clear of all the layers but i just reminded me of something ayn rand was famous for uh uh, she, she, this was her badge of philosophical honor. Every loneliness
0: is a pinnacle. Is a pinnacle. Yes. Uh,
1: oh, I wish that were right, but it ain't. Uh, sometimes a loneliness is a nadir. Eh,
0: sorry. <laughs> uh, only for That's a person. Op- nadir right. is a funny word. Most people don't know that word. That's the opposite of an apex. Okay. A, yes. You know, right. It's a trough. Um,
1: It's a trough, yes. Uh, Only someone like her, who had huge judgments against lesser intelligent uh, value systems and people, would ever hold herself up as a pinnacle of loneliness. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was going to say it depends on what she meant by that, but it's easy to see, like, if you look at Howard Rourke and and Fountainhead, he he, he made a, a... he made a god out of his own loneliness, in a way. It's okay. a false That's god, it. but I would say, you know, my interpretation of it, sort of through the identity lens, is like, um, you know, every uh, every agonizing, deep feeling is a pinnacle in one way because it it needs to be sure. gone through, but not to hold it up as some permanent way of being. It's not human thrival, obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I, and I say that um, well, well put well put um, the loneliness can be a pinnacle to um, not not extolling it as a um,
0: not an uh, arrival point
1: not on our yes exactly thanks yeah. I got a little confused there so um, and I but just to know the context here Howard the characters of Howard work and and John Gall um, gave me at a critical time when I was 21 years old when my girlfriend at the time uh, brought a book to me and said uh, hey they wrote a book about you uh, <laughs> And uh, this woman did, and I wrote it, read it, and I, of course, just devoured it because it was the first model where I could get philosophical support for being different. Mm. Uh, and then I got hooked with it for about two, three years. After that, I kept reading. I probably read both books, uh, um, Galt's book and, and Rourke's book, uh, probably upwards of 20 times each before I finally could sort through what was toxic about it. Um, That's
0: Atlas Shrugged and the fountainhead for the yes, following along. Right. You know. All
1: right, let's talk about the number of partners uh, in a life. Um, uh-huh. Okay. Sexual partners, how about that? Uh, identity is, this is a tough one, because there's no value judgments of badness whatsoever. D- divine being does not care where, uh, uh, how many times we put our genitals into the genitals of other, or other orifices. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, does not care, um, only cares about why we put them there. Uh, uh, and not not how many times or um, or uh, that that we do it, that we put the genitals there. So um, in that sense, it's a very confusing and multi layered thing. It's not easily judgment. It's uh, we're not Roman Catholicism that says uh, uh, you have to be a virgin before you're married. Um, obviously, but uh, it has a, a little handy slide rule about it. Uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't apply hundred percent, but it applies about 70, 80% accurate in my experience that if you've had more lovers than half your biological age, it's likely you're relating to sex as a drug. It's likely it's or not
0: did that. or did for some time
1: or did for some time. Yes, that's exactly. That. Yeah. How, however that is. Um, so, um, if, if you're 20 years old and you've already had 10, uh, partners, uh, um, well, it's, you're, you're skating on thin ice. Uh, I'm 71. I've had only 13 partners. Uh, I, especially growing up in the sixties. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't put my genitals where my heart didn't feel resonance with, uh, no matter how beautiful the woman was. I had, had two, I have to admit to two sexual only one night stands, um, in my life. Uh, and I was both, I was under 21 or 22 when I did. So if you're going to have a lot of lovers, get it done in the 20s. Uh, you've yeah. got to, teens, late teens and 20s, you've got to know what your body does and what it does to the bodies of others. You've got to learn this stuff. Uh, there's nothing inherently uh, wrong about sex. It's just that most people get, who have 200, 300 lovers in their lifetime are fixated in a teen phase or a young adult phase uh, emotively. And um, and and that's okay. There's no value judgment in that. Uh, we we work with, I've worked with people with over 300 um, uh, 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 partners in their life, and these are lovely, soulful, deep, hugely intelligent. Alive.
0: People. They tend to be very alive. alive.
1: Exactly right. Uh, um, also, if you've had more than one marriage, uh, who, uh, uh, that shows you know how to commit. It also knows shows how you're not going to shrink to fit to get crumbs when the when relationship completes um, mm. and that's why to, identity would offer that no relationship ever fails mm. it only completes to say our, our, our marriage failed is to blame yourself or the other person instead the reframe which is not just a reframe it has emotive uh, repercussions it completed and if it completes, there are benchmarks that can help you determine whether or not it's completed. Uh, it's not about failure, it's about completion. So you can complete with grace when you add that framework to the otherwise tumultuous emotional uh, mm-hmm. barbecue that's going on uh, when relationships begin but to play uh, out.
0: You shared your numbers. I I, I feel uh, compelled, uh, almost obligated, to share mine just because. Oh, I was, okay. oh! I wasn't
1: bragging, really. I'm just no. telling you how little experience I've had. Well, I um,
0: want to share the opposite. Um, uh, um, not really so much an experience, but uh, it, um, for me, sex very much was a med. Um, I think I'm at 29 partners in my life, and I'm 48 years old. So I'm get, I'm getting old enough where it's going to balance out some, but That's you can't right. but you can't let that hide the fact that it used, you know at one time it yeah. was you know high twenties. Yeah. But but what I want to say about that is if I were a really beautiful woman, that number would have been five hundred yeah uh and that's i think the another piece to look at like the the opportunity um and and for for women like uh who because there's a lot of stigma and and shame for women who've had a lot of partners out there and if if i were a woman i've had would have had 10 times the amount of partners i had and that's because there's more opportunity
1: yeah the the paradox for soulful um people and i mean easily uh able to um, at least envision and feel a little bit the connect between humanity and, and divinity, soulful people. There's an aliveness. There's an aliveness mm-hmm. associated with such a person. Uh, second chakra is about aliveness also. Uh, you have a life with your first chakra, but then the quality of your life is uh, is mediated through second chakra. And uh, that aliveness, However, for soulful, spiritual types who also tend to be lonely, are hook, that aliveness is hookable into sex as a drug because um, uh, for thousands of years, uh, sex was um, taught as the way to God in many, in many yeah. cultures.
0: And for me, so, I, I don't know if you were intentionally talking about, about me right, right then, but oh, no, no. loneliness was definitely, sex was a drug for loneliness for me. Um, it was a way to connect. and but never satisfied never did what i wanted it to do because it doesn't scratch that itch it does for you know a little while sure Um, but uh yeah
1: well the principle let's close this piece with the print the principle that upon which all these opinions there's always principles and identity that are patent uh, for all the the positions it offers Um, and that is that an emotively mature person does not put their genitals into a person where their heart has not yet opened to
0: that's the connection of two and four which we have previously established
1: absolutely right so um i i would go seven years six five years seven years in between end of one relationship and the beginning of the other i never really rebounded ever um, into another quick one because i had to wait and that, that's hard that's why I didn't, I didn't have sex as a drug. I had masturbation as a drug because mm. I spent so many more years alone uh, than mm. I did in partnership. And being uh, cisgender, being um, born, yeah, that way, um, it would always involve women. And that's fine. That's just me in this lifetime. I've been and, gay in other lifetimes, been women in other lifetimes, so,
0: yeah. And, you know, it just occurs to me another one of the dangers of masturbation, even if it's being done um, healthily, is... It's you're in total control. It's yes. It's it's non relational. It's non relational. So uh, that's yeah. something. After being very single for seven years and now having a partner again, it's yeah. there is some like uh, sometimes a little bit of tension in me. Like, well, this isn't happening exactly how I want. <laughs>
1: you yeah. Know? I mean, because that's I mean,
0: how masturbation is. It goes exactly sure. how you want, and that's not sort of quote the real thing, which right. is a lot messier and more complex and all that.
1: A- Amen. Amen. So let's uh, uh, upshift to yin and yang, how about okay. that?
0: upshift, um, yeah, that's, that would upshift. be that.
1: Um, most of the problems in what they call men are from Mars, women are from Venus, war of the sexes, it's all um, a, a downline, um, fractured-based rupture with reality. We only get into all these downline issues of, of, of men and women and how they're supposed to interact, including in the LGBTQ ways, um, because we have never been taught to, to go upstream of male and female into yin and yang. Uh, yin and yang has never really been um metaphysically or dharmically incorporated into gender in relationships or gender identity it was more about good, good and evil and the dualities and the
0: right and yeah everyone knows
1: lao says um dao um, and uh, that's where it comes from the black dot inside the white side oh well that's and, the
0: split between the personal and the spiritual i never thought about that
1: exactly right oh. But what, what identity does is uh, take that yin-yang thing and applies it directly to uh, human uh, relationality where it's not just about interaction of male and female genital, genetic-driven um, impulses. It's about the yin and yang in both men and women. Men are not all yang, and women are not all yin. Uh, it's another whole um, uh, uh, cause Cosmogenesis uh, podcast that would underlie why this identity offers this next item, but that an emotively mature man is two-thirds yang, one-third yin, and an emotively mature um, uh, woman is um, two-thirds yin, one-third yang. Now, that's not castigating any other combination, just that um, a man who is gay or bi is going to have more yin, maybe he's 50 yin, 50 yang uh, in, in him. Was that genetically programmed or was that also possibly affected by childhood wounding? Um, so the question is always, if you use a standard, uh, just a baseline of two-thirds young in men and one-third yang uh, uh, in women, and two-thirds yin in women, uh, each of us have a common component Mm-hmm. My one, my one-third yin, we have four relationships possible between a man and a woman then. My yin with her yin, my yang with her yin, my yin with her yang, and my yang with her yang. Mm-hmm. When we do athletics together, we're doing yang and yang. When we're doing um, sexuality, it's yang and yin. Uh, but sometimes it's the other way in sexuality where mm-hmm. Brie is coming with the yang and I'm in the yin. So... Those four relationships makes make cisgender uh, uh, um, relatedness really uh, interesting and difficult to navigate. Um, and again, how this applies, how this yin and yang thing goes directly to the heart of LGBTQ is that um, when we say only emotively mature people are two thirds, one one third the other, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that because the others are not seen as emotively immature, that you shouldn't be doing them. This is so critical. Um, and, and that pivots on another principle, that that anyone in a non-cisgender, LGBTQ, and a missing two new letters that have been added on recently. <laughs> it's hard to
0: keep up with it. Yeah,
1: I can. That's fine. No mocking there at all. Total respect here. Uh, because we should not worry about... Um, uh, these combinations it's all love in the end love is love is love right mm. but but the salient point here is that our sexual orientation is is affected 40 percent 60 percent by our genes and 40 percent by our upbringing this is the principle and that a, a toxic childhood in certain dimensions can create um any one of those LGBTQ things to some degree. It's not just determined by the genes, it's not just determined by whether you have a penis, or a lingam or a yoni. So there uh, uh, LGBTQ people have a, we agree, it's not just a, about uh, a lingams and yonis. But it's also not about um, uh, I, I prefer to feel myself uh, as, 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 a, as a she, not a he. Or I feel neutral, queer, or whatever it is, so I'm an it or a they or an a them. Just because uh, you have a desire, which identity which says, just like cisgenders, There are many people in cisgender relationships that should be in gay relationships and they repress it that's what
0: i was gonna say this is because this is some controversial stuff and that's what i always say to people i want to put it really plainly it's like can could there be someone whose childhood wounding causes them to think they're heterosexual when they're actually homosexual exactly of course well if if you can accept that then it has to go the other way also you can't have it Mm -hmm. one way not the other but if you were to say to uh, you know an average uh uh, lgbtq person well what if your quote orientation um is i believe that's the term they prefer not preference what if your orientation is a result of your childhood wounding and you're actually something different well those Mm -hmm. would be fighting words these days
1: right we they'd they'd be Say it this way, and they have good reason to fight in one way because yeah. they're so excoriated and judged by yeah. uh, Catholic and Christian and Islamic yeah. and Jewish bias and ridiculousness. <clears throat> I'd I'd fight too to some degree. Sure, but but here's the principle: if if you bristle at that, and you're in an LGBTQ configuration or orientation, um, if you're if that really riles you, you must think that your LGBTQ orientation has no possibility of being codependent. It must be perfect.
0: Wow, that's a really powerful connection, say more.
1: Yeah. Um, The missing piece in all of this this controversy is that non-cisgender relationships are just as bloody codependent as cisgender. Mm -hmm. And codependence comes out of not genetics, But of nature, not of nature, but out of nurture. All codependence comes. uh, Codependence and 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 identity is the projection of unmet emotional needs in childhood.
0: So yeah. So if part of it comes from you're saying forty percent comes from nurture, which is the domain of conditioning, which is the domain of childhood, which is where the wounds happen. So. So there's yeah. going to be some codependent play out of it, and it could be so significant as to actual change the orientation.
1: Exactly. And it's really easy to make a couple of silly, over overcooked examples, but um, a, 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 a woman who flirts with her son... Tells their son until they're twelve or fourteen years old, or when they start to get mature. Oh, you're much better looking than your father, and oh, if only my 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 your father was more like you, and gives all those kinds of things. You are so invaded. A son in that case would be so invade is so invaded by the mother. Yeah. They don't want to get anywhere near women. So an overbearing mother, even though it's a cliche rejected by every PC psychology out there, an overinvasive mother can create a gay son.
0: I, I, o- I, I, I'm sorry, I experienced that. Like I had a, a friend when I was in my 20s who came out as gay, and it always really surprised me because he didn't seem like he was gay. And then somewhere in the course of knowing him, I met his parents. And his mother was like, and I have an invasive mother, as you know like mm-hmm. high-end invasive mother. This mm-hmm. one made my mother look like a pussycat. This is one of the most invasive women I ever met. I've like, I wanted to get away from her and she wasn't even my mother. Yeah. Uh, and there was the smoking gun. Sure.
1: It's not PC uh, anymore. It's not PC to dare to say yeah. that uh, childhood upbringing affects your gender identification or orientation. It's, it's non-PC. But if, again, let me repeat that because it bears repeating, that must mean you think cisgenders are all the codependent relationships and LGBTQs aren't, which is patent nonsense. Come on, you guys, you have a right to do whatever feels right. And it's, it's incumbent on any soul taking human form to be curious about why and not defensive. Yeah. curious what i ended last time i felt a little bad about it it might have sounded too judgmental when i, I mentioned something of uh, the, the degree you costume need to costumize your mm-hmm. uh, your orientation is the degree you're insecure about it um, i say that with heartful respect uh, someone who's secure in their orientation doesn't costume it like that necessarily
0: yeah it's the same way uh if trump uh wasn't lying he wouldn't have to say trust me and believe me all the time (laughs) like
1: these are such abc consciousness stuff um and 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 that that doesn't make us elitists talking about it that way because we carry the same moment what we do here is discernment not judgment discernment discernment only becomes judgment when you withdraw love from that which you just discerned yeah. it's re- it's ridiculous to say that i judge lgbtq i'm simply asking lgbtq to m- wait be curious more curious about the codependence inherent in all intimate relationships no matter where the genitals fit in there and and be curious about it because you might your gender orientation or identification may not be what you think it is maybe it is Mm-hmm. But be curious. Your perception, your your relationships are just as fraught with locked in and locked out codependence forms as cisgenders are. So um, this is, please, any of you out there. It's only a discernment and a call for curiosity, not a judgment that that that, that uh, uh, puts you up as something to be fixed. Nothing needs to be fixed in any of the orientations, most of the time, except. The, the, the wounds created in childhood the nurture end mm. so
0: mm-hmm.
1: I hope that that rounds out that a little bit better um, because we're all children of God the o- the only place <laughs> I had the interesting conversation with divine being one this, this is a little funny so that was pretty sober and intense uh, mm-hmm. I, I asked God uh, you know so you, we, when, when I would get guidances about so it doesn't matter where how many times or or um, uh, where we put our genitals, but why, why we put them there in the first place. <laughs> Divine being chuckled and said, well, there is one, there is one exception to that. And of course, I, what was that? Said said, um, interspecies copulation. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, um, it said, that's the only where you put your genitals that it doesn't understand. Um, of course it understands, but um, it, it's such, it's, and i and and I and it asked me what so what what how what would I make of that? It always was making me come up with answers, of course. And I said, well, I, only people who haven't got who believe they're just animals oh. and nothing else would do that. Is that right? And it said, you know usually what it does is it got like claps silently, and then I know that it clapped by by a wave that comes at me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, a really good answer uh, for it it means that um uh, all you're doing is operating on animal uh level uh there's no soulful exchange of heart in the transaction it's all second chakra stuff
0: uh-huh. yeah, so, so the part um, in that person feels like an animal to themselves uh,
1: yeah may not actually really realize that um uh what was that movie back in the 60s uh uh with burt reynolds uh, going down the kahula river uh uh, oh man! Um, where where, um, where one of the men was raped by uh, a, a backwoods person uh, um, because they like they also deliverance liked... deliverance. That's it. That yeah. was
0: later than the sixties, I think. It was not like
1: was it? Oh, maybe yeah. it was. I thought it was late sixties. Anyway, uh, um, those backwoods folks in that movie, of course, uh, like pigs uh, and uh, actually use uh, ewes, uh, female sheep have a vagina, most resembling a human vagina, if I remember my biology. So sheep and pigs, you know, uh, uh, get some help um, Mm. or don't and get some help next life or three lifetimes from now when you outgrow it. That's all. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot. That was a lot. I think there's probably more.
0: I think there Uh, is. Yeah.
1: Um, I'll, I'll look at uh, some of the writings and poems. Uh, there might be some other topics where. Well, we exploring.
0: could use this as a jumping off point to go into male, female, uh, or not even male, female, but um, just intimate relating. This is sex and spirituality. We could use this as a uh, intimate relationality oh. series because that's oh. a can of worms.
1: Well, that's for sure. If we start parsing, who does what, to whom, when? And to what degree the vi- victimhood stuff, control stuff, um, oh, yeah. uh, all these kinds of things come so alive in especially soulmates, but in all intimate relationships. And they end because mostly psychology and the parties involved don't know how to solve it. Uh, hu- identity offers a dharma where you can solve things w- far more. And with more alacrity and clarity than uh, most therapies. That's not a selling point. We don't have any facilitators to help many people right now. Um, yeah. And that was my fault years ago. Uh, that's another whole story. Uh, but at the moment, um, yeah, let's use that off and we'll uh, we'll, we'll uh, consider you ruminate on your end, I'll ruminate on yeah. mine, like cows do, you know, uh, ruminate. <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and, and we'll come up with something about the internal structure and the relatedness challenges and in intimacy.
0: Yeah, it's for sure very alive for me, and uh, always on my mind, living with my lady and uh, had a little bit of a breakthrough yesterday and tracking my own control mechanisms. You know, I feel moved to 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 tell this to just take a minute um as a sort of teaser for what we're going to go into <clears throat> because I think this is a really archetypal male female thing. But, um, my beloved has been uh, complaining for a while about um, what she feels as overt expressions of control, And mm-hmm. I've opened myself to the idea that that's happening, but it's been very difficult for me to see. Uh, and something happened just yesterday where she'd started making dinner and then was doing something else, and I stepped in, or I yeah, I was helping her out. Uh, and then she came back and said, um, if you, I just worked out and she said, if you want to take a shower, I can finish dinner. And I said, Oh no, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. And then like three minutes later, I realized that that's actually what I wanted to do. And so, uh, I, I said, will you finish making dinner? And, and she got angry and I was like, what, what's going on? Like, um, I don't know if she got angry at that. I think maybe she she'd, uh, yeah, she yeah. said she, she would do that. And then, and then like a five minutes later, 10 minutes later, she got angry and was like, that was really controlling. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't react this way. On the inside, me, my reaction was, wait a minute. I just did what you had suggested uh, we do. You'd offered that opportunity. How was that controlling? That was when I went in, in my head. And in, in the past, I would have said that. But I have learned a few things about shutting my mouth and being curious and being like, okay, let's start with the assumption that this is she's probably right. And there's something to this. And I got still and I got curious and I replayed that moment that had happened 10 minutes prior. And I felt very subtle, very small in me that when she'd said, you can take a shower and I'll keep cooking if you like. I felt controlled by that. And it was a total projection because it was the right thing. It really made a lot of sense. And it was what I kind of needed in that moment. And a part of me was pissed that she knew it and had the idea first. So I unconsciously did not agree to that and then made it my idea kind of five minutes later and directed her to do it. Oh, my God. And she felt that.
1: And that was what she called the control. Yeah.
0: And it's really, and I'm like, wow, that's really subtle. And she's like, that's not subtle at all for me. I feel anxiety (laughs) and feels, and I'm like, this is what's been happening. I find, because one of the things I've been sort of um, advocating for is like, hey, I really want to believe you, but you got to tell me in the moment and not Mm -hmm. save it up and wait days because then I can't replay it and look. So this was very soon after the moment and I was able to catch it. And it's an enormous breakthrough because now that I made that connection, I can better trust her feelings about it. Because, again, this was incredibly subtle for me, but she, she feels like a bucket of water on her.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Now, listeners, if that <laughs> unpacking seemed almost humanly impossible <laughs> to do, identity does this uh, five times a day and 20 times a week. Um, the Dharma helps you go this deep for those who want to learn how to go that deep. And that yeah. means the C word, curiosity, Yeah, exactly as you said. So that that you can have, you too can have that <laughs> kind of relatedness, uh, um, uh, disambiguity, if you'll just try our product. Right?
0: <laughs> and if you so. want to, and email us, we won't know how to serve you probably, <laughs> because we have very limited capacity. Uh, That's but right. uh, follow your curiosity, for yeah. sure. <laughs>
1: exactly. Thank you for being so transparent with that. You touched a lot of people today with that, Joseph. Uh,
0: th- thank you. Uh, it, it took me, I mean, literally like a year to get to that point, to be able to track that small. And uh, I'm very excited about it because now, and oh, and I want to add to that, owning that in that moment I wouldn't say it felt like a knife in my third chakra, but it felt like getting punched in my third chakra. And she had a couple other ones in the next hour. And uh-huh. everyone, it felt like I was getting beaten in my gut. And that's uh, the, the defenses who are getting found out and yes. feel emasculated and disempowered. I'm- and yes. like, I'm going to be bowled over by this woman, which is all what happened, all what my mother did to me when I was a kid, that now I can feel and um with a different outcome and that's how we heal so yeah. i'm excited about it
1: and believe it or not everyone out there joseph does not have a phd or do- or or or, or, uh, or masters in psychology i
0: have an english degree i have a ba yeah. in english yeah
1: i have i have i have only a ba in biology so mm. we're not trained uh therapists or philosophers these all they, we come out of our natural being here so these are things. Many times you ju- you that are you unlearn when you get graduate education. I was through. just going
0: to say, yeah, if someone were a therapist, there would be unfortunately a fair amount of unlearning to do uh, yeah. in there to be able to start to embody identity. Um, but yeah. other, th- it would accelerate in other ways.
1: It would. It would. It, it would be balanced. It, yeah. One would cancel the other out. Yeah. Okay. A pleasure as always, and a topic that is juicy. Yeah. Um, Uh, we'll take the next level and go from outer frameworks and definitions and orientations to the actual inner landscape of intimacy
0: well thank you so much stace this was super rich and dense and um even if we only do 10 more of these but i think we'll do (laughs) i have no (laughs) idea how many more but life will tell us Um, it will it's been a wonderful experience so far and uh so tune in next time thanks for listening and we wish you well
1: Yes and yes.
0: Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.